Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people and real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Hello everyone, welcome back to Afternoon Delight with myself, Jory Delight. Well, do you know what? This is it. This is it, as Danny Minogue once famously sung. This is the last ever episode of Afternoon Delight by myself. What a roller coaster of a month it's been for me. And in general, for everyone else. Like, the amount that has been happening in the last couple of weeks with restrictions easing, um, lockdown kind of changing in different cities and different bits of the world. It's been such an interesting thing to navigate and get your head round. I don't know if a lot of you have felt this, but I've actually felt a little bit anxious about things opening. I remember oh, a couple of months ago, the BBC Social interviewed me about my experience of the lockdown and how I felt about things easing in the future. And I kind of do know myself very well now that I had to say in the interview, I think in the future, I'm going to be really nervous and I've became so used to the way I live my life, but also despite the fact that I hadn't had all my vaccines at this point, was I going to be comfortable going back to everyday life and not worrying about hand sanitising, mask wearing? These are things that genuinely I don't think are ever going to leave me now. It, it kind of does baffle me a wee bit because when I was needing lung transplant a few years ago, and I can't believe I'm actually saying a few years ago now, that just feels so surreal. A year and a half technically was when I last really needed it, which is just... Absolutely incredible, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's interesting that when I wasn't well, I wasn't hand sanitising. I wasn't limiting seeing people. And I think, unfortunately, the thing with that was that that was me, that was my thing. And I kind of just thought, I can't hibernate and stay away from everyone in case, you know, transplant doesn't work. Because there is a 20 percent risk in the Newcastle Centre that the procedure doesn't work. And I thought, well, I'm not going to waste my time not seeing people that I love and care about and worrying about getting a cold. It's been such an interesting time for me the last 14, 15 months, actually. Um, I know a lot of you listening to Afternoon Delight have got to know me, have got to know my guests. And now that things are opening, my outlook and my perspective compared to when I started Afternoon Delight in September 2020 compared to six months previous to that when I just didn't know what I was doing with my life anymore and I'd started Calf Chill. I recently just finished the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival movie I did called Two in the Morning, One at Night and Mandy Rayner, who was on this podcast and Raylene Goody, who was on this podcast, both um, did the voiceover performances for it and they were absolutely incredible. And it really is surreal to be making work about having CF that's optimistic and hopeful because... When I did win the award for the honeymoon period and when I did Wasted Youth, you know, these shows were quite intense and negative and very difficult um, to really watch because there were some hard-hitting moments. But that's the thing. That was my life and my life now, despite what normality really is to anyone, is probably the most normal that it's ever been in 26 years. And I feel like a new person mentally and physically which is covered in the piece that you can find on their website. But also, don't recognise myself. You know, if I look in the mirror, I don't know who I am. 
I get weird imposter syndrome. Obviously, being non-binary, you get a lot of that anyway. Um, it's been such an interesting time the last 15 months, especially going back and seeing people that I hadn't seen for so long and thinking, maybe we're not friends anymore, maybe we have nothing in common. And vice versa with other people, they might feel that way about me. There's been loads of arguments the last few weeks with me and people from different communities and places I've worked that I've noticed on social media that everyone's turning on each other. And I'd like to believe that, you know, we can sit and say a justification for that will be that the pandemic's really getting to people because although things are starting to open up, there's all these new variants, the, the world doesn't ever feel like it's going back to normal. But I think that's a thing that when you go through grief and bereavement, like I did when I mentioned when my friend Katie died, um, you know, when you go through that sort of stuff, you are going through stages of loss. And I think some people go through the angry stage and I think a lot of people are realising that their normality is never going to return because I don't think a lot of us want it to. And that is a bigger conversation that how many times do I ever say, you know, there's always a deep-rooted issue with these things, but there is. And I find it really interesting and fascinating. When, obviously, I interviewed Shushma Jane, I did not realise that Shushma and I would have so much in common to the point that now we regularly text each other all the time. We've chatting about her coming up here for the weekend, staying at mine, a short Edinburgh. You know, I feel like I've actually made a friend, which has been absolutely beautiful, and I love that the world can do that. And the beauty of social media, that, you know, in the 90s, me and Shishma probably would never have crossed paths. Um, but Facebook can bring good things. It's really interesting for me because, you know, I have lost friends the last 15 months. I saw a post yesterday that really, really blew my mind. And it was me and my mum going to Newcastle for the second lung transplant assessment, which was two years ago this month. And when I looked at, out of curiosity, who had actually loved and reacted to it, I thought, God, half the people on that list, the people that have loved, cared, commented, are people I don't even talk to now. Or the last 15 months that haven't been there for me. And... At the beginning of the pandemic, I do remember my psychologist, my CF psychologist, saying to me, you can't judge people right now for maybe not being there for you because, you know, we go through fight, flight, frozen, etc. And I said, yeah, you're, you're totally right. At the beginning, I can't. I can't be angry at people that have went into a state of shock or working loads like I did or, um, you know, just not dealing with it and pretend everything's fine. I can't be angry at them. And I'm not angry now, 15 months later, actually. I'm genuinely not um, angry that further on. But what I would say when it's compared to the new year in 2020, when I really did say I'm going to start making active changes because I'm going to start on Cafe in February, I need to get my life together, I did genuinely go, there are going to be a lot of people that I'm not going to be friends with anymore because I can just see me slowly, slowly breaking those friendships because of the fact that we didn't have anything in common anymore because there's a big thing in the community in any kind of community you live in and work in that if you don't want to constantly enable your bad behavior through toxic things you don't want to be around the people that do because and that's not a judgment on them at all but that is the harsh reality that if you don't want to enable people's bad behavior or you don't want to be around it then you're not going to probably have much in common anymore and that's been a hard life lesson for me the last 15 months. Once I obviously got started CAFTU. And then during the pandemic, oh, God, where do you even begin with that? Like, 
I think we're at 12, 13 months of this now, of the, you know, I say 15 just because Italy, technically, I think it was the end of January, started getting really bad cases. Because I remember my counsellor telling me, and me thinking to myself, what's COVID-19? And here we are months later, months, a year and a half later, that it's the new norm to be in this pandemic and this lockdown. But I have been learning quite a lot, and I know that I'm not going to throw those lessons away. And there's periods of isolation and loneliness with that, there really is, but there's also periods of self-worth, integrity. You know, I went for drinks with a friend last week, I absolutely love and adore, I've not seen for nine months in person, but we spoke on the phone loads. And to find out that there are people who I don't talk to anymore who still talk about me, I thought to myself, why do I cross their mind? Because they don't cross mine. They cross mine in a sense of good memories, past memories, but I, I wouldn't sit and talk about them because we're not each other's lives anymore. There can be a lot to unpack with that. Guilt, resentment, anger, frustration. Who knows? But I always find it interesting when people want to talk about you when they're actually not in your life anymore. That is a really interesting thing. And I think nine out of ten times it's because they miss someone. And that's totally fine. That totally makes sense. But I think it's always an interesting thing to observe. I just remember, funnily enough, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had my pure like, oh, God, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? So I did my YouTube series. And it's so funny because I'm not a YouTuber in any way, but I remember doing it. And then everything just went tits up two months later. And I don't even want to talk about past relationships in this episode because it's done and dusted, in my opinion. But I remember all that was going on, and uh, come summer, I was really fortunate that I applied to do a thing with a theatre company that I love working with, and I didn't get it, sadly. But sometimes, when you don't get things, there's a reason why. I do nine out of ten times believe that. Sometimes the world is just cruel. I think that's why I say nine, because sometimes, you know, there's gatekeeping, there's controlling, manipulating people in the industry that will stop you doing well, but there are genuinely reasons why and I think the universe you know I didn't get this commission I went for which was totally fine but my producer said you know what this is a great idea I'm gonna apply for something for you on your behalf can I and I said yeah yeah that's fine and I am so happy to reveal that literally months and months later after meetings writing re-editing scripts developing work I'm dropping my first ever performance with the National Theatre Scotland next week which Debbie Hannon obviously was on Afternoon Delight talking about um, their experiences and their work. And Debbie was the director for the piece. And I'm so glad that we can finally reveal that. Um, the piece is a YouTube series um, by myself, Jordy Delight, where I am an Agni Ann. I mean, that is my absolute ambition in life, just as, as a joke throughout this podcast for the last few seasons that will be Oprah. I genuinely... And the piece, um, being a loose woman in drag, the real housewife of Leaf, is off on one, giving dating advice, which is the biggest joke, really, when you know what my life's been like. Um, so that happens. And then I get to act as someone else who's not me, which is the real drag challenge, I'll be honest, out of drag. I play a young gay man who is really struggling with his relationship because isolated relationships right now, the pandemic, you know, people were living together too much or like see each other all the time or they were like abroad or they weren't together and it's been such a hard thing to to really get your head around this pandemic but I wanted to create a piece about what infidelity was and what was cheating because stuff like that I always find really interesting 
you know, why do people do what they do and what are they thinking and feeling? And that's what I wanted to do with the piece. So Dear Delight will be on Thursday next week uh, with the National Affairs website at 7 o'clock, Thursday to Friday June. And you can check it on their website or their social medias. It's just, honestly, when I say this, it is an absolute delight to work with them. They're a great organisation. They've been incredible. Um, I've met some amazing people and I hope it's the first of many things. Now, the House of Liability, our digital drag show, has taken a wee halt. But if you ever want to know what we're up to, check the House of Liability on Instagram. Um, we decided to take a pause because I've got work coming in, which is really good. And also, no one wants to watch digital things right now because things are opening. So I'm so blessed that during the pandemic, me and my kids have came together and done that. You know, we wish Amy Lamore well, obviously, because she's no longer in the house. But I'm so proud of those kids because two of them had never performed on stage before. And two of them had. And all four of them killed it every month. I was blown away by the incredible, the incredible talent and resilience from all them. Which makes sense that they're my children, really, when you think about it. Because I am very much at heart determined, strong-willed. My Mars is in Leo, so I'm very much a hard worker in anything I do. Um, which can be a blessing and a curse because sometimes I need to kind of sit back and go write self-care, which is what today and this interview is actually about, um, to reflect and self-soothe and stuff. I've been really fortunate that having them as children, they push me in good ways as my kids. They get me to learn about new music that I don't know about, new performance styles. They all have their story out of drag. That's why we're the House of Liability and they are honestly incredible. It's been such a great great thing to come with the pandemic. I've got my friends, do you know what I mean? My friends as well, Lana performed with the House of Liability and I was saying, you know, you need to start singing again because everyone was blown away by our duet that we did. And you can find it on YouTube if you search Lana Lou, Jory Delight, do what you want. Um, we did the Xtina and Lady Gaga cover. It was absolutely brilliant. And just the sheer talent and dedication of people in this industry right now going for this is just, um, is really insane, incredible, the talent, the sheer bloody talent of people despite this pandemic has been absolutely an eye-opener. And I feel like, do you know what? I genuinely have worked my arse off the last, um, like, God knows how long of my life. How many years? <sighs> 26. I feel like I genuinely actually have worked my arse off. It's never been easy. As a lot of you have heard through my episodes and my interviews with guests on Afternoon Delight, I've not had it easy. You know, I've went through horrible relationships, sexual assault, suicide attempts I've, I've genuinely like a joke but I said this line in the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival piece that I did where you know I was like oh my life is like an episode of Oprah but sometimes when you tell people things I think they kind of look at you like no your life isn't really like that no danger but honestly like my life has not been a picnic do you know what I mean or if it has it's been a struggle to get everything made it's not been easy um but I've all I've also done it I have got the recipes together. It's taken me ages, but I've had my feast. And I'm so happy that I'm continuing to do that. I've had both my vaccines now. I want stages to open. The House of Liability had a couple of venues interested. You know, if the way things are going in Edinburgh State, maybe we could do a show on August Live and do tickets so that it's restrictions, um, social distance policies followed. You don't know. But I'm very proud of them and myself being hard hard worker in this industry. And... Dear Delight next week is just another credit to that. I'm also doing more work with the BBC Social, which is so exciting. We're doing a thing called Jory's Agenda, um, Jory's Gay Agenda, actually, which is quite a funny play on words. 
and I'm also applying for new jobs. I've found one that I really want to do, working with young people, which I've not done since the Gratitude Initiative, which we did in February, which was oh, honestly just working with kids at Kirkcaldy High School. Like I know for a fact that I need however in my work I do to impact on young people, especially LGBT people, and help them because I am an ENFJ. Do you know what I mean? I am a mentor. I'm here to help. I am the protagonist. I want to help people. And I didn't for years, do you know that? Like, I really didn't like helping people because I knew that... I remember one of my therapists said to me this. I say one because I've had three in my whole life. I had one, and I said to her, I just don't understand why people would hurt me when I've done so many good things for them. This was, like, in 2018, I think. And she'd said to me, well, I think your problem is that you actually genuinely do help people a bit too much. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, either help without intention as in you know help them because you want to help them not because you want to feel better about yourself and give your ego a boost or don't help them but you can never help people and expect it back because some people will not do that and she was like the people that are right will I shared this quote today and it's not my quote to finish afternoon delight because I've got a nice story to end on um, it's a hard story but it's nice but it was this thing of you know people will come and go but the ones who are meant to be there will stay and I thought oh, that's that that's it, the right people will be there. And I then, during the pandemic, because I still was really guilty of 2019 and the beginning of 2020, being like, well, no, I still have to help people, but I guess I'll just lower my expectations of the world. No, I actually genuinely went, well, do you know what then? In summer 2020, I can't, I'm not doing it anymore. I'll help people that are really good for me. And they, you know, they're not energy drainers, they're good for me. And over that six-month period, I lost a lot of friends, haven't spoken to many people in places because I don't think they care for the fact that I don't want to kind of give them anything. But do you know what? Like, it's fine because this pandemic has been so hard and a lot of people aren't coping, and I get that. But I also think a lot of people aren't coping because we're getting mirrors held up to us and we don't like the reflections, so we just want to smash the mirror up, walk away from it, um, go drinking. And listen, I drink, so I'm no judge of anyone that drinks. But it's very clear that I think there's a harsh reality that sometimes to confront your issues, you have to admit they're there. And I think some people just aren't ready for that or never will be ready for that. I am at that point where I did accept them. And I had to go through a lot of hell. You know, I came as non-binary, thankfully, last summer. I made so much healing progress with my dad dying. You know, last week for the House Liability Show... I did a performance with my dad's death, you know, for my dad, and I sung Diana Ross. Now, I couldn't stand listening to Diana Ross for years because he used to play her in the house. But I've came out there and I can do that. But you know what? Some people can't, eh? and that is fine. My only ever thing I've never really taken kindly to is you don't need to shit on other people for doing what you can. You just say, I'm so glad they can do that. I can't. That's it. It was like Shushma said last week. It's not that she won't, it's that she can't. And I thought, brilliant. And that's obviously in relation to her FASD, Layla's FASD, and her autism and stuff. But for me, I think that could be an affirmation used in life that if someone, for example, in therapy just says, do you know what? It's not I won't, I can't. That will help them heal and other things and work at a plan B to Z. But unfortunately, it's a long progress. And we know this on Afternoon Delight. I've spoken to so many people that have advocated. This is one of the questions, actually, that I wanted people to talk about in Afternoon Delight every episode, was what have you been doing to cope? Because for me, when I was going through the transplant assessment, 
I was always told you had to have a toolkit. You have to have five people that are there for you, no matter what. And I challenged Newcastle. When they would say to me, you know, oh, well, why are you bringing this person, this assessment? Why are you bringing this person? I'd be like, you told me to have five people that are here, and they're all coming to show you that they're all here. To show you, you need to get to know them. Because I am very fortunate that I surround myself with good people. And at the time, those five people I chose are still the five people that are in my life now, which is good. Some people maybe couldn't say the same. I have lost friends. I have lost friends to death, to life. But some people couldn't say the same. And I think in terms of this toolbox, my psychologist like, you need to have a toolbox to help you cope, to soothe and all these things. And I'd be like, yeah, whatever at the time, because it was like three years ago when I was starting to get really ill. And I went on our camby and stuff and that worked temporarily, but not hugely. Um, but obviously, when I was hearing about this toolbox, I used to say that to my friends and you could see them go, I write whatever, because I think we're only 23, 24 at the time. But funnily enough, three, four years later, the pandemic happened. And that's what people need. They genuinely need a toolbox of things that help them, make them feel better. That, let's face it, drinks and drugs do it sometimes, but not all the time. And they're not the best. It's silly things like, I just love chamomile tea now. I love watching a TV show that I've not watched for years and binging it in a week. That's like my self-care. Um, which brings me on nicely to my story, actually. And I'd like to tell you all a really interesting story. So picture the scene, right? 2000, I'm not going to quote myself, but I think it would have been 2010 or 9. I know that if my friend Kelly, who lives down south, is um, listening to this episode, she's actually going to know what I'm talking about because this is literally an absolute story, right? So, just taking a sip of my chamomile tea. Um... I went into hospital when I was in third year of high school. Must have been third year. God knows how I got my exams done. But I did. I went in a hospital and I was really ill. Now, I went in my normal clinic. But I kept coughing for about a week. Now, I mean, not even just like a wee light cough or a mucus cough. No, I was just coughing nonstop, bringing up blood. But no mucus, and we were, and my mum could see, she was like, they're no right, something's wrong with them, right? Luckily, I did have my clinic that week. Now, I went in, and I kept coughing, and my doctor was like, you're no right. I went, I know, and they just thought, CF chest infection, the usual, right? And I got admitted in hospital that day. Now, when I kid you not, this is something I've never spoken about in afternoons like properly yet. And I really, I knew, I knew this was going to probably be the, like, at some point, I thought it was going to be the beginning, actually, for my one moment of hope. But I don't think it was really actually appropriate for what I was feeling at that time at the beginning of season three. But I went to hospital, Julio, and I ended up dropping my sats from, like, 97 to 84 or 5. I was really not well. On oxygen up at, like, 89 but I was so ill. I was sleeping constantly. I mean, like, I was out of it. I was having those dreams where I genuinely thought I was going to fucking, like, the the next life with lights. My mum was absolutely petrified. They were getting me, like, a, they were, like, contacting, like, the transplant centre for children or something. My mum was, like, freaking out. They were like, they might need to get a lung transplant. Like... But they're so ill, what's going on? It was it was chaos. And the amount of staff that were constantly coming in and out of my room 
it was it was mind boggling actually. Um, so I ended up in hospital really ill, and it took about I think literally I don't know what got me through it because I am resilient and strong. But honestly, I just remember thinking I was on fluids, my temperature was up, my stats were so low and dangerously low. I was coughing up blood constantly, and my doctor that day this amazing registrar who joined us just, I think, a few months before that, which is why my mum loved him so much and I loved him so much. He had taken my sample and he had sent it away, like, to a very big laboratory that tests things. And he, he's, it was a specific thing he sent away for because he hadn't... He told us when I got my diagnosis that he had an instinctive feeling as what it was. So we sent the sample away and he came back and they realised that I had grown microbacterium abscessus, which is a bug that in CF, if you have, it can be quite difficult to get transplant and stuff. Um, and basically, it's the family of TB. So I genuinely had symptoms of tuberculosis where I was coughing like fucking Satine and Moulin Rouge. Honestly, see, when I watch that movie, I love it. But I do actually get, like, you still have that movie as a kid, but when I watch it now, I actually do genuinely get uncomfortable. Like, you can't... If I was, like, on a date or I was with my friends, they'd be like, let's walk Moulin Rouge for a laugh. I'd actually have to prepare myself for that scene because I literally feel like I'm looking in the mirror and seeing her die, I just freak out. So I genuinely had these TB symptoms, and I was really poorly, like, fucking terribly. And I was also, like, sitting my exams at this point because we're, we're doing the bloody school musical and everything. Um, I think... It was literally just, was it just a few weeks from my standard grades? It must have been, like, this is honestly a whirlwind. I thought, no, it would have been a few months from my standard grades. Um, I'd done my prelims at this point, though, I remember, and I had studied Mars off for everything. But basically, this is where it just gets really interesting. I got the diagnosis, and they had to put me on a six-month course of antibiotics, so I was given... Um, revampicin, this antibiotic that I kid you not, right? It gave me the shits all the time. I was like going to the toilet nine times a day. I was getting bloody diarrhea. It was disgusting, but it was the best antibiotic to treat this bug. So I lost so much weight and was so ill. Like there's no photos of me, I think, at this point. I was so ill on this antibiotic and there was points that in, in school I had to literally get one of these like passes that meant I could just leave the class with explaining why I need to go to the toilet. Um, I'll be honest and tell you all this, I never told anyone at school this, but I shat myself in school. And if you laugh, I totally understand awkwardness, but I genuinely had to run out of maths and I ended up shitting in the hall downstairs and I was so, like, I just burst into tears. I was, like, sent home. I was in floods of tears. I told them I'd been sick in the corridor. Luckily, I went back to school. No one knew. Like, I think one girl had suspected it, and she never said anything. And do you know what? People used to say she was such a gossip, but looking back, I think if she knew that and she didn't tell people, I always had a soft spot for her that she clearly was a nice lassie. But before all that genuinely did happen, I was in hospital, and they put me on this course, and I was so ill. I had to go and call a mycin IV and nebulizer. I was just... I was on chlorophromycin constantly. And they had agreed that I was going to be on this for a six-month course. It wasn't even, like, really unheard of. You don't normally go on antibiotics that long. But, you know, I was so poorly, and my blows were just shocking that they were so concerned. And I lay in bed the first, like, few days after those antibiotics, and I was so fucking miserable, so fed up. And I was on watching E4, and this episode 
comes on telly and it's, I think, 10 o'clock at night. And luckily in hospital, I think at this point, they had the freeview boxes and the TVs. And they were like, oh, and, and now a TV show. My mum had left at this point and she just left E4 for me because I used to watch, like, um, oh, I think Friends was actually on E4 at this point. That's how long ago it was. But I used to watch TV shows on it and they were like, oh, and now a new TV show called Glee. And I was like, what? What's Glee? And I heard it, and I'm like, that's like happy, isn't it? Like you're full of Glee. And it came on. And it had that like um, really sort of incredible int- um, intro video with like the cheerleading and Sue Sylvester, and then that song, When You Wish Upon a Star, or just. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And you just saw these snapshots. I thought, these are people in high school like me at this age. What are they all doing? Dan? Like, you know, these, there's a gay kid. There's a black woman who's quite a big plus-size girl. There's a really neurotic lassie that's quite intense. And there's a guy in a wheelchair. And I thought, what is this show? So I watched the first episode. And I was like, this is absolutely insane. But I am obsessed. And I have remembered my friend Kelly at school at the time had said to me, oh, there's this show called Glee that you would love. And I was like, would I? No, genuinely, she was right, because she used to watch things in the States, like, online. But I was like, unless it's on telly, I'm not watching it. I don't watch things on computers, because I was so high maintenance. And I watched it, and it was just... I remember lying in bed, in this hospital bed, so, so, so poorly. And watching this on TV, no one was with me. I was on my own. My mum had to go home. She was exhausted. She was working. My dad had died at this point. Like, she had to work so much. But I was lying there and was like, what is this TV show? And I'm, I'm feeling myself getting actually a bit emotional now, so I'm so sorry if I am um, making anyone comfortable by being emotional like this. But I just remember, I thought to myself, this is the most bizarre, ridiculous show. And then it got to the end when they do Don't Stop Believing in the auditorium and Will Schuster's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to do the Glee Club. It's, a, it's the Titanic, blah, blah. And he comes back and he finds them doing this incredible performance of Don't Stop Believing, which I'd heard the Journey one before through movies and stuff, but I was like, it was that acapella, you know, the dun, 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 dun. I was like, what? What is that? And... In that moment, I genuinely just remember lying in bed being like, I don't know what I'm watching right now, but whatever this is, it is absolutely taking me into another world where I'm not lying in bed with a bloody TV-related CF bug and potentially, like, going to be ill for, like, years, like... And music like that transcended me into somewhere else that really just kept me going. I remember telling Kelly when I had my mobile almost text me like, I watched this Glee show that, oh my God, I'm in tears. It was incredible. And I remember her being like, oh, I'm just so like happy for you. Like, it's it's brilliant. And I think it was the next episode was like shown the week after. And I was like, I had something to look forward to. Because at that point, you know, I was like, oh, I fucked my exams up. I fucked them up. Like, what can you do? Because um, I just fucked one ill. But I was like, oh, I have something to look forward to next week. Yes, amazing. I can watch this next week. This will be great. And that show gave me so much. It's quite, 
I know it's it's the the older it gets, you kind of go, it's a bit problematic, isn't it? But it's just I always remember that, and I was telling actually, um, Celinda saw my drag daughter about it, saying to her, you know, oh, like um, that Glee just has so much for me, and she kind of was like, what do you mean? I was like, I just I was in hospital with TB. Um, and I was lying there and it just, it made me feel like I had something to live for because I thought, well, music, performing, the world. And she was like, oh, that's so lovely. I didn't actually realise. And I said, but everyone's got their own little thing like that. You know, like, like I watch Madonna videos to cheer me up. But that, that episode is always going to have a soft spot. I remember playing that song as a closing song in CC's for Naughty. And I remember someone coming like, this is so cheesy. And I was like yeah, it is cheesy, and go and enjoy it. And the room erupted for that song. It was just an absolute classic. It was so incredible. I, this week, because I've been so burnt out from making my movie, have just been binging Glee. Questionable um, seasons after season five and six, as we know. But I genuinely binged it. And that is a thing in the toolkit, you know, binging old shows that you know because you know what to expect. And it can just, for me, it's like my mum and me are quite alike, which I find quite difficult sometimes, but we're not the same person, but we've got similar traits that when she's really frustrated and stressed, she just watches reruns of, like, um, The Bold and the Beautiful or Little House on the Prairie because they were shows that she loved watching when she was going for a hard time. Vice versa for me, Glee, The Simpsons, um, Karen Dunbar Show, Friends, the list goes on. Do you know what I mean? Sex in the City, I mean... When I'm in a bad place, dating-wise, you all know it because I'll be sharing sex in the city quotes all the time on my uh, social media. Um, but that moment with Glee just really helped me. And it's not a moment of hope. It's actually just a moment of self-care for me. That's why I kind of did think season three for a moment of hope, it just doesn't work. Um, but for this outro episode, I had to share it. I just had to share it for all of you because, you know, this last week I went to hospital and work aside, because work genuinely is pandemic, you know, I've had an up and down roller coaster of the pandemic, a lot of people have, but work for me is starting to blossom. There's going to be moments that it's not, and I'm going to think, fuck, why have I went self-employed? Why have I done this to myself? But there's also going to be moments that I'll go, well, actually, no, like, I'm really glad that I did go self-employed, like this week, where I'm like, I'm working with the National Fair of Scotland. I mean, when I was doing my undergrad at QMU, right, I was told by the like two of the lecturers who I did not get on with. A lot of the lecturers got on with said, yeah, you're brilliant. One of them who I have on Facebook now, incredible, we call Ksenia Horvat, um, was like, you will do well. You're going to make it. And I said, oh. But there was two guys that I just didn't like, my acting coach, my community theatre teacher, and they both were like, you've got a bad attitude, you're never going to make it in this industry. And I honestly used to sit and go, am I just like Rachel fucking Berry in Glee where I'm constantly trying to do everything and to the point that I'm never going to make it. But... You know, season six, she talks about the fact that she gets back in the ad and she goes, you know what, actually, I'm going to go, I'm not going to take the amazing job on stage. I'm going to take the ad because I fucked up before and I'm not going to repeat my mistakes. And, I mean, it's a questionable season, but that moment, genuinely, I went, there it is. There's the difference. There's the character development. But for me, I genuinely just was like, oh, I just love, I love performing. I love the arts. Something with it just always strikes me. Creating that world that you wish the world could be always gave me and others watching it hope, um, ambitions, dreams. It's it should it's how it should be. And there were people that were like, oh, you've got a bad attitude, you'll never do this. And I thought, all right. The older I get, because I was like 20 and now I'm 26, right? The older I get, I go, hmm, gatekeeping in this industry is a big thing. 
people can be jealous. Not all people, but people can be jealous. I have dealt with a lot of people in the drag community that have been like that. I will continue to put them to the side, not engage with it. I don't really care for gossips, to be honest. But in terms of me and this week, I went to hospital last week, career side, and there is discussion now to get my tube taken out my stomach and permanently remove it. And I can't emphasise this enough to all of you without getting emotional and making you understand that if you could tell that young person in a bed who had TB, who potentially was, I'll be honest, nearly at death's door, because I was so poorly, that they, in about 13 years' time, would potentially be getting their tube removed, they would not believe you. I would not believe you. I'd go, no, you're, you're obviously talking bullshit. But this is the thing that Dean Puckerin mentioned in the last episode that we did about you know cystic fibrosis awareness, that this is now the time, I guess, to have CF if you're in that 90% category, and things genuinely are really changing. And I can't quite fathom it, you know that? But I also, I can, especially with this piece of the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival, you know, I talked about imposter syndrome, that me and Raylene have said this, that we feel like, you know, one day we'll just wake up and the matrix will be over and we're actually ill again in hospital. And I, I can feel that. She wrote in the piece this line about, you know, I, I, I wonder how long this will last because I don't want to go back to dying again. And a lot of my friends had watched it and said, that was powerful. And I said, well, she wrote it and she did it brilliantly. But I equally did feel that way. That's why I kept in the script, because I did feel that way. I felt like I was just dying and not existing. And a lot of you during this pandemic have felt that themselves. And I'm kind of like, well, this is what I've been feeling like for a long period of my time. So I've been a great support for them because they've understood me now. And then likewise, me being worried about my weight and stuff. Now, me and one of my best friends who's struggled with her weight her whole life, really, she gets me and really I get her. And that's the thing with the pandemic. It has brought people stronger and it has pushed people away from each other. I want to say, like, I know people listening may be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a very hopeful fucking person and I like to, like, see the, the good in people always. But, you know, there is nothing wrong with saying, do you know what, after 15 months, where have you been? Nowhere, you're not in my life anymore. There's nothing wrong with that. Because likewise, they might feel the same. And this is the difficult part of life. But in terms of me, with my health, I just thought, how can I get that around my head, that... that that person in that bed who was really ill would be here now. Like, I might in five years genuinely be in that position again where I'm in bed with something else. You don't know. Like, I, there's, there's sometimes me a bit too much of toxic positivity that people go, well, you could get hit by a bus when you walk outside. And I'm like, yeah, I've got sometimes that mentality when it comes to health scares. But, you know, when I talk to people, like my friend who I saw on Twitter today was like, oh, I'm having a horrible day. And I was like, same, just, in, just having a self-care day because... What goes up must come down. My therapist used to say these things to me, and I thank God. It's so simple to say it, but actually to take it in is a different story, isn't it? But it's true. What comes up must come down. And I feel that. I do. I feel that a lot of my life. But the acceptance, once you can accept it, you can start to deal with it, and that's the important part. But I can't believe this is what my life has become. I just can't. And... I'm getting used to managing it and adapting. And I can't believe that this podcast was a thing. Like, when I decided to do this in September, I had listened to someone do a podcast and was like, oh, this is really interesting. Do people do this? And then obviously I discovered Oprah's Super Soul from watching Oprah on YouTube. And I thought, oh, 
There's nothing like that in Scotland. And you know what? Like, we have had, honestly, some incredible guests. Like, I've had people messaging me being like, I love listening to Afternoon Delight. It is something I look forward to every week. And I legit sit and laugh and go, really? Because I just wanted to help other artists network. That was the main point of Afternoon Delight. It was the main point was to just help other artists get through this pandemic. And I feel I've done my job and they've done theirs. I now just want to count down everyone that was on and give them a special thank you before we finish with um, what comes next. And then my quote for Afternoon Delight, my last quote. We have to give special thanks to Rujazel in Glasgow, Mandy Rayner, who's also in Glasgow, Dean Gummer, my child, Lola Fierce, Catrona Calcini for raising awareness of polycystic ovarian syndrome, Lucy Jane, Raylene Goody doing the first cystic fibrosis special, Creativity, an arts community based in QMU with the lovely Heather, Lorna Murray for teaching us on classical singing, Phil Harin or Kate's the digital artist, as you might know her, Salmonella, giving us education on wrestling. I mean, that was a good laugh. Alana Watson, Lana Lou talking about by visibility. Gary Roman Quizman, oh, hero, especially during this pandemic, the quizzes he was doing for people online. Gary, you know I love you, I'll catch up with you soon, but I mean, you've got to just sit yourself down, babes, and say to yourself how incredible you've been getting people going with this pandemic because you've been doing those quizzes that anything on Zoom is really strenuous, but just genuinely well done you. Katie Williams from BBC, The Social, she's been doing great work, especially as her own podcast, Northern Natter. She's got some stuff lined up with Edinburgh Live. She's just incredible. She's brilliant. CJ Banks, and our drag queen in Glasgow is amazing, transgender as well. And then obviously Martin O'Brien, I could not believe I got to actually interview Martin O'Brien, a CF performance artist. He's absolutely incredible. He inspired my work. I couldn't believe that he said I inspired his. Juniper Lovelace, she is an absolute bloody hero for the Scottish drag scene, like absolutely prop star. She's been quite quiet recently, so I hope she's okay. Daryl Devine, I mean, he is an interesting one, I'll tell you. He's been doing good work with the BBC. He does a lot of spoof stuff. I do find him quite interesting as a person, but, uh, you know, Gemini's have got their, uh, their good and bad days, I guess, but I find he's really interesting. And his episode was definitely intriguing. I got a lot of education as well. Rob Madge, they came out as non-binary after the episode, so their pronouns are they, them. If you ever listen to the Afternoon Delight episode with Rob Madge, they are incredible. They're like a West End child performer. They change their pronouns, so if you ever like get in contact with them or listen, please use they, them from now on. They are an absolute star and an absolute Leo at heart. Lauren Aitchison, let me say, oh Jesus, that episode on domestic violence and domestic abuse, like was absolutely incredible. Like, I couldn't quite believe how incredible Lauren is. I mean, I can, actually, after interviewing her, but the fact that her book will be dropping is absolutely brilliant. Please keep an eye out for her. Lady Rampant, let me just say, me and her have became, since this episode, such good friends, like, in Dragon Out. We've done so much together. I think she's absolutely beautiful and such a lovely soul, and I feel like she's a soul sister and a drag sister. Simon from Hot Mess. Babes, he is moving to Glasgow, so if you're in Glasgow, get along to Hot Mess when it starts. I couldn't quite believe he's moving to Glasgow because, you know, I fancy him. <laughs> I also just will miss his night, but I'm sure he'll come through and he's always got somewhere to stay at mine if he ever needs anywhere. Um, Anne Spank, best friend of Ellie Diamond, absolute hero. She's great. She's a trans woman as well. And I think her conversation was so important on her episode. 
Catherine Leggett, my friend that's a dietitian, I mean, any key worker during this bloody pandemic was an absolute hero, and she has been that. And giving dietary advice during this pandemic was so helpful for people, so shout out to her. Eva Crystal Tip, she moved to Berlin. I miss her so much, but you know what? She is still an incredible DJ, and I can't wait till me and her do a night. Maybe I'll need to hit her up, actually, when I go to Berlin and catch up with her. Cunt Kevin from Slag Wars, I was so accurate when I said you are a total Pisces because he's an angel. He is such a kind soul. He's got more music drop now. He's got, um, took too much. I had to think there because I had to think what I could and couldn't talk about in the podcast. He's got his new single, Took Too Much, which is absolute brilliant classic. I can't wait to play it in a live club when it actually, the club's open properly. Agent Cooper and King Biff from Oasis say, I mean... Uh, only two people could do Oasis and drag and make me fancy them, and it is those two. Kay from Chaotic Scott. Do you know what? Like, I have a lot of time for Kay because out of everyone, I feel especially her life was turned upside down. Um, you know, when your life is spent travelling and writing about it, and then you're told you have to restrict and stay in your house the whole time, props to her. But she found love with a guy who SCF, and me and her have just absolutely bonded since. And my hairdresser who introduced us is having a baby and I can't wait. She's due quite soon. So this is so exciting. Love my Mary. Alex McCrossin, non-binary artist and dancer. They are absolutely incredible. I'm so, so, so glad they came on and talked about the gender inclusivity that dance needs to offer. Blaze, Jamie Grandison. I mean, Blaze has taken over the world. Let me tell you, style fixers with Alana Carson and just in general. As I, I will fully expect to see Blaze on Drag Race in the next couple of seasons, like... And Emily Ingram, the last guest from season two. Oh my God, they are honestly one of my best friends now. They are so brilliant. They are just doing so much work with the show must go online. They've got so much planned. Me and Emily will be taking over the arts one day. I can see it. An Aquarius and an Aries is a great combination. I love them so much. I can't wait to catch up with them. Um, they are absolutely brilliant. Susie Kay, I mean, oh, where do I have a go with Susie Kay? Christ, could be here all day because me and her could chat for hours like that episode, but... Susie's album will be dropping at some point soon, so catch up with that. She's absolutely brilliant. I have so much time in the world for Susie, but the resilience she's shown as a musician right now has been incredible and as a vocal coach, so props to her. Ayla, drag queen, trans woman up in bloody like the Highlands, running her cafe. I'm so proud of her because she had such a hard time in the drag community at the beginning and she has absolutely proved everyone wrong. And that's the kind of person that I can really support and get behind. Frankie Elise and her sister doing their music together, absolutely brilliant. Um, especially the stuff she's doing with other DJs and helping give them a platform. And her work as a journalist right now, she's just an absolute gem. Like, I have so much time for her. Ryan Matthewson doing Price Surprise and Come Down With Me. I mean, Christ, I could talk to him all day as well. I have a lot of time for him because he, after this episode, always messages me to check I'm okay. He's such a sweetheart. And I'm excited for when he brings Price Surprise back. And, you know, if they need a guest host or a new host, um, I wonder if I can audition. <laughs> Natasha Kitty love her. She actually got me in touch with Subsign uh, and told me about the online course she did. And you know what? I've dropped my first demo. Subsign are helping me master it, and I'm going to be sending it to record labels. So watch this space, who knows? But absolute shout out to her. And I know for a fact I'll be looking to her to do a disco remix of it and get a wee drink with her soon. Dorian T. Fisk, I mean, the pandemic has been absolutely brutal, but he has done such incredible work for Shopping King. I'm so bloody proud to know that there are two drag kings in my house. We're one of the first, I think, houses in Scotland that had actually two drag kings. And in general, the work he's done is brilliant. He's so good at what he does, and I'm intrigued and fascinated to see how that's going to further develop in real life and in person. Um, 
because you know this is all digital just now. I, I'm fascinated to see if he can start like an actual school or something. Um, it's going to be really interesting, or an, even a course. Lorna Brooks, I said in the episode, she is my anchor, but she genuinely actually is my anchor a lot of the time as my vocal coach and keeps me on the right path. And she has had such a hard time recently, but I have all the love and solidarity to her because she's really just pushing it and still helping me, which I have all the time for, especially because she's a Scorpio. Miss Annabelle sings, I'll be honest, we've not spoken for years until afternoon delight and now we've been getting coffee and I'm actually going to her next week for some advice on stuff because I've been finding something really difficult to deal with in the professional world and she works with equity, so I'm going to actually get her advice. But she's doing so much work for the industry as well and I have a lot of time for her, props to her. Debbie Hannon, where did I begin with them? I mean, they kept me so calm and collected from February, March and April when we were getting Dear Delight done. And they gave me so much help and advice and support as a director. They are incredible, their work. Oh, I'm so privileged and lucky to have worked with them. And I know they feel vice versa, like we had such a good repertoire that hopefully it's the first of many. Miss Peaches, I have all the time we're off Miss Peaches. She is loud, she is opinionated, she's fiery, she's a Leo, but she also genuinely has so much talent um, for such a young age that I can see her going so many amazing places. Cameron Moore from Smut Slam. I mean, the fact they've continued Smut Slam online for that community across the world internationally on Zoom and Cameron's work as a playwright just really inspired me. And I'm glad that her sexual awareness events really actually like helped me discover my own sexuality and explore it in such healthy and safe ways. Emily Carding, oh my God, like they, I am just obsessed with them. They and me, like we need to like do a Shakespeare show together. I feel like they need to be Macbeth and I'll be Lady Macbeth. They are an absolute delight and they have done such incredible work with their book on acting. I can't wait to read this energy acting book because I totally agree with spirituality and performance, especially this pandemic. They're incredible. Rob Miles, the man behind The Show Must Go Online. I mean, how could you not genuinely have so much respect for that man? He took something last March and created an absolutely incredible thing. And he gave so many people hope during this pandemic. And he's had his wee baby. And him and his partner are just incredible. Dean Puckering, known through social media in 2019, doing the um, CF campaign for My Passion Keeps You Well. And now we've got a friendship and we talk on Zoom and stuff. It's great. And he has been doing such great work at wrestling. And he's ended the stigma that someone with CF could actually genuinely work in wrestling. I think it's absolutely brilliant. We then had dragged out with me and Lee Rampant, which was so much fun. Because let's face it, if you are not registered and voting, go and sort your life out and get it done. Even if you spoil your vote, it's better than not voting. And this election showed a lot that in terms of Scotland, I feel like we're very much a pro-independent majority now with the Green and the SNP, so I'm intrigued to see where we go next. Alana Carson, the second half of Still Fixers with Jamie Granison, come in talking about her ADHD, her TV work, her makeup and costume stuff. She's just absolutely beautiful. I have all the time for her in the world, and she's absolutely amazing. After this episode, she started frequently talking, actually, on her social media about her mental health more, and I'm so glad. And last but not least, Shushma Jane, I mean... Honestly, when I say you can sometimes meet people on social media and they change your life, me and her, I feel that there's a natural, healthy, um, spiritual connection between us. We have so much in common, but we're also very different people, which I love. We've bonded, weirdly enough, over McDonald's curry dip, but I mean, I love that. That's the little niche things that I love. Her book is incredible. I can't wait to read her second book on sibling um, 
bereavement, I think that's going to be so important and helpful for people. Um, and if you are listening to this outro episode and this is the first time you've ever discovered any of them, go and listen to their episodes because they will always be here because I'll be making sure they're still on this podcast. I can't quite believe, in all honesty, that that has been three seasons of what I started off as something to just help people, but it has been. They've helped me. This has been a beautiful podcast. I have had an absolute delight with all of them. I now want to finish with saying what happens next. I have started potentially a new podcast with Solace Productions, who did my documentary called Jory Six Five Reasons Live. We've done Jory's Juice. The first segment in pilot is me interviewing Ellie Diamond from Drag Race. If you want to check it out, it's available on all platforms. If you check out Solace Productions' website, Soul Productions TV, you'll find Solace Sounds, or if you check it on Spotify or anywhere available, it's a great interview. Ellie is absolutely hilarious and the Diamond of Dundee, and she's absolutely incredible. I don't know what else the future holds for me, to be honest, because I very much have started a demo and I, I'm working on it and I want to send it to labels. I want to try and sing more. I want to have a show somewhere weekly. I want to be on stage all the time. I want to be helping people. I want my own bloody talk show. I mean, I want my own Oprah show in drag. But to be perfectly honest, what happens next is I just keep living. That's the bottom line here, that... I keep living and I keep my mentality the way I've had it the last 15 months because it's got me to so many good places despite the bloody pandemic. And I don't want to lose that. And I'm sorry that I had to lose people on the way through things I couldn't control or through things I did have to control. But I do not want to go back to where I live my life. And I know that that might be hard for a lot of other people because maybe they want me to go back to that, but I don't. I want my boundaries in place. I want my rituals in place and I want to keep living. And when I think of that young person in that hospital bed who thought they were going to die at the age of like 13, 14, watching Glee and how that got me out of that bad place and gave me that realisation that maybe something out there could happen if I like worked hard enough and I kept my strength. And do you know what? I'm still here. I am still here. And that show problematic, some questionable episodes that I skip, I always have that moment in that song, and I'd like to end now with my quote, that is what is said by Sue Sylvester in the last ever episode of Glee, and it is, see the world not as it is, but as it should be. I've been Jory Delight, this has been Afternoon Delight, stay safe, and please remember to breathe.